I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Cause when it rains and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. And I've been reading all the work. Hi and welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host today as always, and we are going to turn the tables a little bit. I have Tony Darnell here from Lippert. He's a shipping manager over there, and we are going to talk about sales approaches and strategies that sometimes work and others that never work. So a key insight into the mind of a someone who works on the shipper side of the business and also just just natural um what we'd call objections but the natural course of business that that you have to account for you have to think about um about how companies operate tony welcome to the show hi thanks kevin pleasure to be on yeah so uh, tell us a little bit about your background to, to start off with um where you're based out of you know a little bit about lipper and and your duties on a day-to-day basis so I live in north central Indiana. Uh, my home is about five minutes south of the Michigan state line. So I'm very much a Chicago suburb, yet we try not to have much of anything to do with the whole city there. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, Lippert is a soon-to-be Fortune 500 entity, a large publicly traded company that is a supplier to the automotive aftermarket Manufactured housing, uh, RV, marine, horse trailer—you <laughs> name it. Basically, anything that rolls. We're, we, we've got some parts that are available. Train windows and doors and tables and uh, Europe, uh, Asia, North America. We're all over the place. All over the place. All all about the trailers. All about the RVs, horse trailers. I, I grew up. Uh, going to rodeos and, and, and with a horse trailer uh, behind us and the, the F-150 or, or SUV, it had a camper on it. So we, 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 the kids rode in the back. That was an SUV back in the, the early 80s. I know the deal. I used to haul horses. I grew up with horses. We did trail riding and stuff. And uh, I tried my hand at rodeo long enough to realize that I could not make a living at it. And I was going to get hurt badly. <laughs> I, I I didn't even make it that far. I fell off. A, I got bucked off a horse very early and decided maybe I'd try baseball. <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> I think so. I think so. So um so so Tony, I, give us a kind of your perspective on the the turn in the market that we've seen in 2022 and kind of how your interactions with vendors, whether that's a you know a freight brokerage or a carrier. Or I think your favorite and asset-based brokerage, kind of the approaches to you. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the market has done this crazy turn in the last three years, where we've gone like full cycle. I don't know, two or three times here. We oh, come no. the, these cycles that are supposed to be you know relatively routine and eighteen-month intervals have happened in in three months and six months and twelve. You know, it's just it's it's been nuts, but. Uh, for the most part, since COVID, the first few months was a slowdown, but ever since then, we've been in a giant boom. And it's, you know, the Q4 here in uh, 22 has been a little bit of a slowdown, not even a ton from what I can see. And uh, panic, it's mass panic. <laughs> There's no, it, it's, it's, 
fuel prices are still up there where it was when the boom, not maybe not quite as bad, but the fuel prices are still high. Um, everybody says you got to know what it costs to run a truck. Well, I run a fleet, so I know what it costs to run my trucks, but I don't know what it costs to run your, you know, your 379 with a 72 inch sleeper and hardwood floors and mm-hmm. chrome wheels. And <laughs> you know, I've got a couple of Cascadias and some <laughs> run of the mill trucks with some drive van trailers. And it's just, everyone's cost is different. I, and I used this analogy once uh, a couple years back. Um, I can go to McDonald's on Tuesday nights and get a 39 cent cheeseburger and the McDonald's can make some money. I can go to a Red Robin and pay thirteen ninety nine for a cheeseburger and Red Robin can make some money. And does that mean that McDonald's and Red Robin are making the same amount of money or do, the, do I have to know their operating cost? I, if they want to sell a cheeseburger at 39 cents, that's their choice if they're offering it to us. And I view freight as the same thing. If you're driving down a, a road and there's five restaurants that serve the same basic idea or food and everybody's got a different margin, different cost, it, it, it's not so different there's not so much parity there that you can't win being the cheaper guy so when it comes to freight and somebody's you know the carriers all the time say well you don't understand the cost of insurance or the cost of fuel well yeah i do i used to own a truck and i ran my own you know i actually hauled horses when i was Mm self-employed and i run a fleet now yeah i know exactly what it costs to run a truck but the problem is i don't have to make a margin on my trucks my trucks are run at cost so it's a little bit different for me, but it's not, it's, we're, we're a value added service when you're in a manufacturer with a fleet. So our, our trucks don't run at a, at a, at a, it's not a profit center. So we, it's a little bit different than running a for-profit business. It is it, very different, right? And this is what I found being a freight broker and using private fleets, right? And trying to do backhauls and minor successes at that. It's a different economical structure, right? Because what you're... A backhaul load at two dollars a mile is insignificant when you account for getting that truck and trailer and drivers back to where they need to be to reload, and the profit margin on that truck to get it out to get it say on a store shelf. Right, that's where the economics lie. Now, whether you're paying them two dollars a mile or two fifty a mile or a dollar a mile. It's really about that time it takes and that time that the truck is empty with their product, right? Their own product and getting and making those turns, making sure that shelves are full uh, because, uh, you know, you put $80,000 of, of goods in the truck. You know, there's that represents about $40,000 in, in margin for most, you know, wholesalers or retailers. And that 40000 is much more than $500 here or there on a backhaul. Do you remember back when uh, diesel went from like a buck to a buck fifty and everybody panicked? Mm-hmm. Back, what was that? Oh five ish, somewhere right yeah. in there. So I was working at a place and we had a fleet and everybody said, "Well, you know, I need my fleet to get back right away, but we gotta we gotta recover this cost." So we went and got a commercial, uh, a DOT number, an, an MC number, a motor carrier number, instead of just a DOT number to haul our own product. Mm-hmm. So then we employed a guy who acted as somewhat of a broker to find us backhauls and our guys were running these backhauls and in nowhere indiana on the outskirts of chicago nobody delivers there so what would happen is our guys would get these backhauls from the carolinas or wherever and they'd go to chicago or detroit or toledo or indy 
but then it'd be the next day and they'd have these requirements. And what we ended up finding out was it was cheaper to run home empty mm-hmm. than to get paid to run the backhaul because yep. the backhaul costs you a whole nother day before you yep. could come back and get reloaded. So our fleet would have had to grow to cover the same amount of output that we had with the same number of trucks, which means we we're going to spend more on fuel. And people didn't understand that. It, it was cheaper to come home empty and not get paid than you know, to, to run back all the way to Toledo from South Carolina to pick up a steel coil from a mill in Toledo and bring it back to South Bend area than it would be to go from South Carolina to Chicago with a, a load, a backhaul. Yeah, I mean, you could get stuck. You know, you have to wait a day to deliver. You could get stuck at the, the yep. pickup for six hours. Sometimes six hours kills the real economics of of that fleet. So yep. that is something I realized. Well, I was told very quickly, right? And um, and we had a great drop and hook program with with a private fleet. Uh, they could go in twenty four hours a day, and that that trailer would be sitting there. That they could drop and hook it, and it worked out for them. You know, it had, you know, I think we did it for about six months until it didn't work out for them. They changed their routes out a little bit, but it has to be very precise because yes. uh, of what you're saying, you know, that, that, that time it takes to, to get back is crucial to uh, a private fleet. Especially when you're counting on that and that's your norm. Mm-hmm. A guy goes out, he comes back uh, yeah. here at Lipper. It's been, it's, it's really cool because. We're shipping manufactured housing and aftermarket housing uh, windows, vinyl windows, and they're on an what we call an L-buck, which is a, a, a rack, basically. Mm-hmm. So our guys are going to two, three stops, but as they're there, they're picking up racks to bring back. So they're not technically deadheading empty. Yeah, they're not. They're bringing what you need back, which is uh, racks to... Yeah, tonnage to though there's racks to to put new windows in that to, to send back out and repeat the process all over again. Yep. The problem is you uh, can fit a lot more empty racks on a truck than you can loaded ones. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always work, but we keep a good job of keeping the guys busy with backhauls. That's good. That's good. I I made a, a comment about asset based brokerages, and uh, I, I figure I'll just jump in right here. With that, so you have your your carriers, you have your freight brokerage, asset light, right? Whatever that means too. But asset based brokerage, I, I I know a lot of people like to to lead with that. I let's talk about leads, right? Leading in, contacting, and prospecting. Asset based is asset based brokerage is popular. Uh, People think it resonates, and I want to ask you because you get these solicitations all the time. You get the LinkedIn messages, the emails, phone calls. What are your thoughts on that lead-in? Oh, man, that's great. I love it. when If you just come out and say, hey, we're a broker, and I, I got a little bit of respect for you because you're out there hustling. If you're an asset-based or light asset-based, one means you have two trucks. The other one means you have one, <laughs> and I'll never see it. If I, if I onboard you and I use you for a load, I'll never see a truck with your name on it. It'll be somebody else, you know, all, one of the many carriers. But it cracks me up because asset-based brokerage, isn't that jumbo shrimp? It, it, it's, a, it's an oxymoron. It is. It is. It's, it, it's two, different, two different businesses might be in the same building, but it's two different businesses, right? Because you're going to send me a different scat code. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we'll have to you're set up running- two services. Yeah, you're probably running under a, a different MC as well. Right. So therefore, you're you're not set. You're setting up one 
to open the door for the other and we'll never use the one. So it's a waste of time to set it up and just be honest. Just be honest. You're not going to use your truck on my lane unless it's a perfect fit and it's continuous and regular, which, you know, we all know that there aren't a whole lot of that in freight. <laughs> <laughs> There's not. No. <laughs> there is not, especially for brokers. There, There is not. It's, it's mostly spot spot things <clears throat> that are bouncing around. Um, what's another lead-in that you, you hear a lot that you're like, why do people do this? The form letter. I love the form letter. I could almost quote you the form letters that I get and it's, Hey, I know you're busy. Um, you've hear from so many brokers a day. I feel like I'm the best one that you're going to hear from this week because I'll put the time and effort into making sure that you're my number one priority. And I hear it 10 times. I have 273 emails in my junk email right now that have that standard form. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean it's 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 a standard form for a reason. It's it's standard. What what else are you gonna say? Uh, to, to a total. Oh, what right? else are I mean, you gonna say? They're gonna say we specialize in drayage, LTL, expedited, FTL, transloading, airport, CFS pickup <laughs> in the US, Canada, and Mexico. If you specialize in everything, you don't specialize in anything. You you just told me you're Walmart. Exactly right. The kitchen sink. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the laundry list of what we do, we don't do anything really well, but we do everything. Um, yeah. picking a niche is, is, is yeah, it's casting a wide net and, uh, hoping something comes back. And yeah, that's, usually, that, that just tells me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go, no, go ahead. That just tells me that you've done no homework on your prospects and you're just mass emailing. I, I yeah. want somebody that's going to say, Hey, I looked into Lippert and what you guys are doing. It seems primarily RV and, um, leisure pleasure craft, um, driven, which is true because our, our core products are mm -hmm. automotive and camper related. But uh, there's so many other things that we do, like chassis and axles. and you know, this. So yeah. the fact that I don't need drayage, don't lead with that. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, it's not difficult to call up and say, do you need a tanker when you have flatbed loads? No, I don't need a tanker. I don't, I don't have anything liquid. We don't transport any kind of liquid. Not even totes, nothing. So if you're a tanker specialized carrier, I mean, just lose my number, lose my email. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I, I got nothing. I'd love to help you, but I can't. And uh, what's another lead in? I mean, what's something what you you kind of just described what what might work, right? What will get you the best is doing your research, knowing that you guys run flatbeds, knowing that a lot of RV stuff. Um, it's, it's just I, I think one part of it is just just so hard to differentiate yourself, especially in prospecting, cold calling, cold emailing that um, people take the, the easy way out, which is the form letter. Oh, yeah. Well, what I like is the people who take the time to get to know you. Hey, I, you know, and, and genuine, like nice profile pic. Your family looks lovely. I sell drayage. <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I do like is, you know. Uh, I don't know if you're, if you know, TJ, but, uh, yeah. he started hitting me up and next thing you know, it, you know, he said right off the bat, I'm going to get this guy. You, you're going to work with me. I just know it, blah, blah, blah. And he ends up being like an hour down the road from me. And I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we ended up hitting it off. We just became friends. Like we go to football games and stuff together. Now our kids are playing baseball and the, you know, he, his kids are a little bit younger than mine, but my youngest is uh, a little bit older than his oldest. And, you know, just 
he's he's called me up for parenting advice. I mean, <laughs> we've just we, we've we've just become friends, and you know what? He got my freight, the the little bit that we had that was not yeah. on our trucks. He I I worked with him because he was I I know him. I know the problem is with with a with a shipper like myself in a manufacturing environment. Every load is my one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And every every carrier, every broker, every everybody in in this business has a fail rate, and it's whether it's point one or two or zero, you've got a fail rate, and mine is absolute zero. I I just can't. My job's on the line with every load, mm-hmm. and my customers and my salespeople that depend on me to deliver their promises. I'm not delivering goods. I'm turning finished goods into invoices for our bottom dollar. I'm not delivering goods i'm delivering the fulfillment of a promise made by my sales team that we work together with and i'm yeah. i can't let them down my responsibility and and entrusting somebody with that responsibility is huge it's huge it's not lowest price it's best quality you said it very well there you you said it very well because that is uh, you know <clears throat> and i think uh, on the freight broker side, you get pummeled with rates. You know, you're too high, you're too high, that, that you gravitate to, to where that is. I, I think another item I take out of that is that it's not a one-call close. No. And I think a lot of people treat it like a one-call close, right? It's, it's like, oh, I had a good conversation. I'm going to start moving freight. It's it's a long, long process of developing a relationship that, that you have to put in the effort to, to, to do before you might see a single load come down the pipe and you have to be able to uh, do the, the the research beforehand and you know be genuine just just be genuine right and what well, you and tj started I, I don't know if you guys are still doing it i don't think i haven't seen it in a while but it was a hold my beer during the, yeah, the, we the were... pandemic right <laughs> on the youtube show it was, it was great i think yep. it was on there a couple times with you guys yeah yeah we, we, we haven't been doing it for a while it just everything got so crazy and busy I'm we kind of uh it wasn't something that was in the forefront for both of us, so we kind of put it on back burner. We'd love to revive that eventually, you but should. Uh, maybe maybe rebranded and <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you should. I, I think it'd be good. I I think Nicole's on there for for a little bit. Oh um, man, she made the show. Good grief! A couple yeah, of mugs like us, and then Nicole. Yeah. So I mean, you have to to, to be able to to put the time in to develop a relationship, other than or you know, other than you know. What do you have on the dredge side? You need dredge help? You need- <laughs> no, I'm good. Thanks. I actually listed the not needing dredge as a LinkedIn skill that I have now. So uh, I've received several endorsements for that. <laughs> <laughs> and just the same amount of solicitations, right, for, for dredge. Yes. And it, it did not help at all, but it was very funny. <laughs> What are some other things we were talking about? Just just uh, constraints on on the the general business environment right now, and what you should <clears throat> expect shippers to hear is that that we're probably not taking on new people over the next you know new vendors over the next a few months, right? We may be cooling right. down a little bit after um, after the pandemic and and you know uh, normalization, let's say uh, a freight and the, the market certainly. The freight levels might still be there, but the, the, the capacity has been added. So there's not this huge rush of need to, to add on providers and to, to, to be really to be okay with that and use that as an entry point in to building that relationship with a few key shippers that, that you can do that with. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, I'd like to. You touched on a great topic. Um, especially large shippers with high volumes and multiple uh, points of shipping, uh, origin points, like a manufacturer that has several factories. Um, mm-hmm. Especially with a private fleet, like the situation that I'm in, where I was before and here at Lippert, it's a, uh, it's unique because we try and build relationships with carriers directly and a lot of these carriers work with us directly will I mean, we have some that are domiciled in our customer zones um we have some that are they just work with us directly um but then you want to have like that there's a percentage where you want x number of percent to go to spot or what mm-hmm. i call brokerage where you do work with those carriers but or with brokers or those service providers but everybody there's a line i'll bet you just the number of people who have asked to get in the queue for that is probably in the like over a thousand in the past year of people that have asked me to can i be considered in the next round well everybody's fighting for that tiny margin of percent that mm-hmm. what is it 10 15 20 percent of the freight that goes out would be going out to a a, a third party when we're yeah running you know 80 percent local and the rest on our own fleet and a couple of truckloads here and there. It, everybody wants to be a broker to connect the carrier with the load. And I think the technology and the service platform has gotten to the case where we don't need everybody as a solution. We need two. We need two real good ones. Yep. You know, so the best way to differentiate yourself is to become the best. Just be the best. Because as the market tightens anyways, we're we're looking for value, which is cost plus service. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we have a corporate team that sends out a a report of what was available and what we spent, what was available via contract and spot, and then what we spent. And there's a disparity. And usually it's because I spent more than what was available to have spent. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that is because we're not choosing the lowest price every single time. It is not a transactional relationship. So I'm looking for the best value because I have to create that fulfillment of the obligation for sales and um, revenue mm-hmm. collection for the team, the invoicing, but I also have to do it in a way that is frugal. So I have to look for a good price and a good service balance that I can live with and sell to my boss. Cause we have to answer too, guys. <laughs> I can't just pick you cause you sent me a box of chocolates. I love it, but <laughs> I got to answer to people too. So that is something that, you know, that there are constraints, you know, and, and what does it take to be considered, you know, and, and that's a, a gray area, you know, coming, coming with it, with a private fleet, you know, how, how does that differ the, from a shipper with, without a, a private fleet or is that, is there, are there differences there that, that people oh, yeah. should be aware okay. of or what, what are those? So when you have a private fleet, we do the crap that we can't hire out. Our guys get, and, and they feel it. They'll tell you they get treated worse than an outside carrier. And they, you know, so when you go somewhere and a house truck comes in and takes your spot or your, your appointment time or the only open dock, man, have some pity on that guy. Cause you're taking the straight load while he's taking the five stop Chicago. <laughs> I, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that, multiple stops. Though. Those are always uh, the, the hardest to, to sell to, to owner operators, small fleets out there as, as a freight broker. And no one wanted, you yep. know, two stops is a killer. Five stops, man, talk about difficult. 
So our guys in the private fleet are the ones that are doing that. And they're driving the, the you know, the Ford Taurus of trucks, too. They're not driving anything that they want to call home about and tell people about. They're driving, you know, yeah. the, the bare bones Cascadia. Yeah. The, the, we try the, to keep nice equipment so they're proud of what they're in and we mm-hmm. make sure it's right. But, they're, I mean, there's no long nose, cool, cool trucks. No customization done at, at, at all. Right. Not when you got 300, 400 trucks. You're not customizing much of anything. Yeah, you're really not. And I, do you have do you, do you have many brokers that are coming in and, and trying to uh, take business away from the private fleet, from, from your fleet? Or is that? Well, I've gone through the cycle of, you know, so-and-so's dad knows this executive's friends, cousins, yeah. neighbor, whatever, and they want to take over your in-house logistics and run it all through like uh, a third-party logistics provider and run your mm-hmm. shipping office. Um, it's so funny because the uh, the executives always come to us who are going to end up being eliminated and ask us to provide the data. <laughs> oh, oh, let me get right on that, first of all. Yeah. And second, let me make sure the data says what I want it to say. <laughs> It's not like some big carrier uh, can come in and get a better deal on trucks than we are. Yeah. They're not buying fuel at a better price than we are. Their really cost to operate isn't going to change much of anything. The only way they're going to gain anything is by wages, right? So Mm -hmm. we all know nobody in here wants to work for less. Hey, I would like to come back here, work for a different company, do the same exact job for a little bit less money. Yeah. You know, that's enticing to everybody I know. So. They don't do it. And then when you provide them that data, they're like, wow, this makes no sense at all. And you're like, yeah, I tried to tell you that, but you made me do this three weeks worth of homework to <laughs> to get you to come to that conclusion. It just makes many, no sense. How many trucks do you guys run? We have, last time I checked, I think we have about 350. Oh, wow. Huge fleet. Yeah, it's a pretty good size. It's a, it's a, it's a really good size. And you guys, in no backhauls, right? No, most of the, most of what we run is local. So okay. I don't know if you're aware. I guess of this, Chicago, but, um, yeah. We're we're in the town where RVs are made. Like eighty percent of all RVs are made in the Elkhart, Indiana area and the surrounding three counties. Yeah. Well, so we're eighty percent of our trucks. <laughs> so we're exactly. we're doing a lot of you know a lot of guys make two three trips a day, and they work an eight ten hour shift and then they go home and they're hourly. Um, there just isn't that much OTR in what we do. Uh, and the stuff that we do is onesie twosies that are going on like an LTL carrier or uh, a transfer from one plant to another where we're putting a truckload of stuff together mm-hmm. for a sister plant of the same product. So that's that's really all we do as far as that's that kind of stuff goes. And then we build we build plants where the customers are. So we're we're manufacturing in their backyard anyyways. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's or things that they, you really don't know until you do your research, and then yeah. then you're if you turn your research, then you can have conversations. If not, um, you're stuck with the form letter. Yeah, you really are. Um, yeah. Well, Tony, thanks for for dropping by. Doing put put that coffee down. Is uh, is there anything else you any parting thoughts, any parting advice for for salespeople out there? And do your homework, build a relationship, and just be genuine. I mean, honesty is really the best policy in everything you do, and much less sales. Over prom or under promise and over deliver. I almost said that backwards. <laughs> almost, almost. Sometimes it comes out backwards. Um, 
<laughs> it definitely does. Well, Tony, again, thanks for, for joining us. And um, hopefully no one listening to this episode of Put That Coffee Down emails you for Dre's services. I'm hoping that that is <laughs> the getting, case. I'm getting 10 tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks Thank a lot, you very Kevin. much. You bet.